running up the score. You're listening to the Running Up the Score podcast. Now here's your hosts, Jerry Napoleonello and Kevin Donlin. Welcome back to another episode of Running Up the Score. I'm Jerry Napoleonello. He's Kevin Donlin. Week three is here, and we're about to talk about what we saw in week two, a very interesting and very exciting and sometimes head-scratching week, but we're all about it. Let's get right into it. What we learned in week two. What we learned. Week two. Going into this week three, we have Arizona, Buffalo, Baltimore, Chicago, Green Bay, Kansas City, Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, all improved to 2-0. and Now, my question is, out of those guys, who's the worst 2-0 and team? I have no, you know, <laughs> when it's early on in the season like this, we're still getting a feel of this, and there's a lot of elements. I mean, I feel like I'm not one of those where 2-0 and means everything. Oh, yeah. Call me when you're 4-0, and 5-0, and and here we are. There's just too many right now. I, hey, each and every single one of these teams that went 2-0, and they earned it. And I'll respect that. Now, when it comes to, you know, overall talent, we'll see. You know, I got some things that are surprising early on. You know, obviously, we've seen the Chiefs offense not be, for example, the most top-tier thing we were expecting that we have seen over the course of the last two seasons. A lot of the 2-0 and teams can be surprising. I'm not going to say who's the worst, who's the best. I'm going to go into it that they've all earned it, and uh, it'll make for an interesting week three with all the matchups we got going. I forgot one team, Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas an impressive Raiders. win on Monday night. They really did have an impressive win. To me, just going with who's the worst 2-0 team. They all have weaknesses. They all have strengths. Green Bay, their offense looks unbelievable right now. Aaron they're Rogers, shocking as well. Their, you know, their offense looks like what I expected Mahomes and company to look yeah. like. So that's, there's a surprise two weeks in, but I'm not really going to pay much regard to it. You know, I'm literally in the process of just trying to get a feel of these teams and <laughs> yeah. these matchups going forward. I, and that's the thing, like... One week, this team looks unbelievable, and then the next week, team struggles. And we saw that with Kansas City. Kansas City looked unbelievable the first game of the season, and then they go against the Los Angeles Chargers, going up against a rookie quarterback in his debut, and they take it down into overtime. <laughs> to me, I felt like if Los Angeles would have went for it on fourth down in overtime... I think they would have had a better chance, but punting it, I thought it was very conservative. The way that your your quarterback was playing, the way that your team was playing, you know, and then having Pat Mahomes on the other side, I think it was way too conservative to not go for it in fourth down. Even you heard on the broadcast, I'm Tony a, Romo even said go for it. Uh, yeah, you know, and uh, you know, if Romo says it, God forbid, every yeah. Dallas fan, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> but honestly. I thought it was a great decision by Anthony Lynn. I think the Chargers defense is one of the best in football. It is. It is. There's no doubt that they're one of that offense has not put up a lot of points and they have a win on the board. Yeah. And they could have potentially had two scoring under 20 points in the process. So you you have an understanding there that that was the best offense that you're probably going to see all season. And the oh, Chargers yeah. did a really good job at stopping them for the most part. Uh, very impressive performance. And Anthony Lynn, after the way that game was going, is the smartest man in the world for punting that football. 
because his defense had been playing very well. I mean, you're right. There's no touching Patrick Mahomes. There's no stopping him. He's just he's an unstoppable player. I just felt like you. you... But unfortunately, the way that game went. The defense did everything they had to show. No, I, and I understand that. And, you know, you're you're putting all your faith on, on your defense. You feel like your defense is going to step up. And they stepped up the whole game. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, they held Patrick Mahomes in check. They showed what the the blueprint to beat up on the, the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's to get They pressure. hit him pretty good, too. That, yeah, they get pressure them. on Mahomes, and they did that. Now, this kid decides to throw a ball. And he's getting hit as he throws it. And an interception happens, and now you have the ball on positive end. Listen, that game could have ended in so many ways. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I just – I'm very impressed in the way the chart – I mean, you talk about what team you think is the worst 2-0. and I think you want to hear the best 1-1 one one team right now? Could potentially be them. Yeah, Los Angeles. Because that defense could really, really hold it down. And if that running game continues to perform, you got the formula to success right there, man. Yeah, absolutely. You got literally a running game with a good defense and <laughs> – Clearly, a quarterback that can find a way to get those, you know, those big third downs because Herbert did a pretty decent job uh, the other day. Yeah, and sticking with the Chargers and and Justin Herbert, going into this game, it was a shocker that Tyrod Taylor would not be able to play this game, and that Justin Herbert would be getting his debut, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs. But we we heard about you know Tyrod Taylor having some rib issues and that led to Herbert playing but we didn't know the extent of it and then we heard you know after the game you know you see how Herbert played and then Anthony Lynn after the game goes well Tyrod Taylor when healthy is still our starter and then everybody was up in arms it was like did you not just see how Justin Herbert played why would you even go back to a guy like Tyrod Taylor who was just there to hold the spot until Justin Herbert was ready? And by what we saw in week two, Justin Herbert's ready. But then the news comes out that a team doctor punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, trying to give him a painkiller injection. So then you, you kind of sit back and you say, all right, Maybe Anthony Lynn doesn't want Tyrod Taylor to lose his job because of a mistake that a doctor made. And now you understand it a little bit, but I still feel, as a head coach, you want the best player playing that position, playing whatever position on the field. You want the best player at that position to play and to start. And right now... Justin Herbert's the better quarterback on that team. And, I mean, we ripped Tyrod Taylor apart last week. I mean, you said he's one of the worst players there. To me, I think Justin Herbert's the way to go. Yeah, I thought it was a really good decision to, uh, you know, put Herbert in there at that point. I mean, obviously, you know, you lost Tyrod Taylor. You had no choice in the matter. But the decision to continue to go with him, I think, would be the smart move. Uh, Just based on how you guys were able to play against the Chiefs. But again, they didn't really score a lot again. So I, you know, for me, I'm not really seeing a. We must start Tyrod Taylor. Must start Justin Herbert. I think this team on offense, especially in particular the passing game, has some adjustments that need to be made. And I think it goes all the way up to the head coach and Anthony Lynn. So I think when it comes to this situation, I think right now either quarterback will be more than capable of doing 
what they've been doing in the passing game, which hasn't been very much. I like to to use the eye test. You know, obviously you hear that a lot, but I like to use the eye test. And, and what I saw from Justin Herbert, just the passes, you know, and I think the biggest thing about his game against the Chiefs was that you really didn't see much of, you know, those rookie mistakes that you usually see. There yeah. was there was maybe one or two throwing the in- interception at, at a bad time, but also taking a, a bad sack. But other than that, I think he played well. I think, you know, he really showed that, you know, he, he's a leader on that team. Like, you, you saw how the team kind of followed his lead in that game. I mean, the fact that you're sticking with Pat Mahomes, the Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, and you're going blow for blow with this guy, that really showed a lot. And I think right there just showed that Justin Herbert deserves to be the starter. I understand that standpoint, but I feel like neither side, Taylor or Herbert, didn't really show much in the passing game. And I think that goes all the way up to coaching. That's just really the perspective I'm seeing. Their running game has been nothing short of spectacular. They've been incredible, both running backs, Kelly and Eckler. And, you know, even before I think he got hurt, Justin Jackson was involved very little in uh, week one. But they were moving the ball. They are keeping fresh legs out there. But unfortunately, their passing game hasn't been able to meet the same standards. And I think that's what slowed them down in this game was not being able to convert on third down. And, you know, that's a big passing down in this league now. We mentioned them earlier. And this is a team that, you know, obviously always has Aaron Rodgers. You know, that's they're always going to be in it because of Aaron Rodgers. But the question is, are, are the Green Bay Packers for real? Are they what we're seeing in the first two weeks? We said it earlier. This is it's week three now. You know, we don't know exactly what we're going to see. It's just the first two games. This team looks unstoppable on offense. Now, can they keep that going? Can the defense hold up for the rest of the season? Can this team be a top team in the NFC? Absolutely. I think they're going to ride the offense like they have been the last, honestly, about 10 years. They've been doing it every year, 10 years, this offense. And it doesn't matter who's coaching. It doesn't matter. It's it's Aaron Rodgers. This guy makes adjustments at the line, and he finds open guys down the seams. He's an incredible talent. He finds ways to make to make plays all the time. There's no doubt about it. The fact that he was getting doubted in fantasy football was uh, almost amusing to me. But these haven't really been tough matchups. You know, obviously Detroit's given up points to everybody. They had a rookie cornerback have a you know up and down day. You know, the other day, and you know you got to remember that you know Aaron Rodgers doesn't matter. It'll never matter. <laughs> Yeah. And the defensive side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers still a question mark for me. I think it's too early to make the determination. Now, obviously, you took on the Detroit Lions. I can't name their running back for you. <laughs> I can't name the running back for the Detroit Lions. <laughs> I can name the running back for the Green Bay Packers. You know, that, that's really the difference for me in that one. I don't think it had anything to do with Stafford or Aaron Rodgers and this offense versus that offense or this defense versus this defense. You know, one team was able to run the ball and the other one could so you credit well, the Green Bay Packer defense for being able to stop the run, but I want to see them take on an actual running game because we all know there hasn't been much running games coming out of Detroit over the past you know, seven years, which yeah. is remarkable. 
when it comes to the Green Bay Packers, I, I feel like Aaron Jones has really made this offense dynamic. We always had Aaron Rodgers. We know what we're well, going to get well, that's from Aaron Rodgers. that's why you see the running lanes for Aaron Jones. It's because of the threat of Rodgers. Absolutely. It's really it's nothing, nothing short of that. And usually you see that the other way around. You know, you usually see it because, you know, you have the passing lanes because of the way you're running the ball. And it's the opposite when it comes to the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is actually helping Aaron Jones. I mean, it, listen. Well, the thing is, this is the this is the short and sweet of it. And this is what Green Bay does. This is what Aaron Rodgers does. Aaron Rodgers leaves the pocket. Or he'll sit in the pocket. But he is very capable of leaving the pocket to the left or the right. He might even be better doing so, that. As an assignment for a defensive lineman, for a quarterback that really kills when he rolls to the right, you know, especially if the numbers are saying that and that's what the game plan is and that's what you're preparing for. And then all of a sudden, your job is to make sure he isn't rolling to the right and now they're running the football really well. So now you're not doing that anymore. That isn't your assignment. Your assignment is to stop the run. And once your main assignment is to stop the run, then Aaron Rodgers can roll to the left, right, roll right up the middle and get himself another 10-yard gain. And that's what makes the Green Bay Packer offense so dynamic. This is what makes it so difficult to stop them. Mahomes does the same thing. Lamar Jackson's done a great job of this. You know, picking up these third downs, using the legs, because you're using your running game to make sure that these defensive ends don't have the first step on you or on your offensive tackle. I, I think it's been, like, straightforward with that, with about with Aaron Rodgers for about, yeah, I would say close to 10 years. He's been incredible doing that, and nothing has changed that. The wide receivers have changed. Everything offensive linemen have even changed in that. In, since I'm talking about that offensive line in Green Bay, is I wouldn't say it's even underrated because I knew it was good. But if there were people out there that weren't aware how good this offensive line is, yeah, they're really good. And your team will go as far as you can block, and they're blocking incredibly for Aaron Rodgers right now. And they're just in a groove. And I want to see more from their defense before I start talking Super Bowl. But definitely, yeah. 100%, just the offense alone, they're a contender in the NFC East. They played the Detroit Lions, and this will move us into the next thing. And, you know, that's the head coaching hot seats. You know, there's – I wrote down four head coaches that are in the hot seat. And they were even in the hot seat heading into this season. And through two weeks, it's, it's getting even more hot. Number one, Matt Patricia. Now, the Lions fired – their head coach before Matt Patricia after I think it was a nine and seven season. Matt Patricia so far as a Detroit Lion head coach is nine twenty four and one. That's not good. That's not good at all. And it's getting worse. I mean they're just not good at all. They're not it's not gonna get better I don't know if Matt Patricia is going to make it to, to week six. Then you go to – I'm not even going to go to the one that you want to talk about because that's going to be the last one because I know you're going to go off on it. But Dan Quinn, how about that? You have a 28-3 to lead in the Super Bowl. You give that up. You lose that one. Then in the game this week, you have a 20 to nothing lead. You have – you forced the Dallas Cowboys to five fumbles in the first quarter. You recover three of them. Then you have a 20 to nothing lead. Then you 
at one point, I think it was 39-24 to 24 with five minutes left. And you still lose that game. I don't think there's any trust anymore with the Atlanta Falcons in Dan Quinn. I don't think there's any trust in the, the front office with Dan Quinn. I don't think this is going to go well. I don't think this finishes out the season with Dan Quinn with the Falcons. So I, this week really put a damper and, and I felt like cut Dan Quinn off from finishing this season with the Atlanta Falcons. Week one, they scored a lot. They still lose. They they throw for 500 yards. They still lose. Then you go into the Dallas and you put up 39 points and you still lose to a team that's debilitated at the front line, was missing both of their tackles, all pro tackles, Injuries up and down, defense, offense, everything. And you still lose that game. I, there's no excuse for Dan Quinn, and I don't think he he, he lasts. I, I don't think he can. You know, the, the Atlanta Falcons fans are not going to want Dan Quinn anymore. And I don't even think the Falcons players want <laughs> him either. You know, the fact that you let up an onside kick where there was six Atlanta Falcons players that at any time of that onside kick could have jumped on that ball and ended that game, and they don't, that's a coaching issue. One guy making a mistake, it's understandable. But when you have six players on the field make a mistake, and one of them being Julio Jones... I'm, like, completely against anything you just said in, like, every regard. (laughs) Uh, The Atlanta Falcon offense has been, like, probably one of the best offenses in football, like, every year. For since Dan Quinn has started, yeah. uh, granted these leads are brutal that they're giving up, and he's not finishing games offensively. So that's really it does fall on him to some degree, no doubt about it. When it comes to blowing these leads, uh, obviously that onside kick—that was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I've never <laughs> seen an onside kick like that before. Yeah. I don't think it was stupid of any of those players to not jump on that football. I don't think you're supposed to jump on that football. You jump on that football, and a Dallas Cowboy is jumping with you. And I promise you, they're almost pushing you towards that football. It makes it very difficult to catch it. Uh, you know how these situations are with the onsides. Once one guy goes for it, a whole tumble goes down, and it becomes a question mark. I credit the Dallas Cowboy kicker for that. That was an, an amazing kick. I would do it again. <laughs> Figure out how you did it. I'd practice that. It's a very interesting kick when it comes to onsides because – you know, it is a, an iffy situation of whether to grab that ball or not. I don't think Dan Quinn should be fired. I really don't. I think uh, they've been a consistently good team. I think they have a good foundation there. They just, they're dealing with so many injuries, especially on the defensive side, and it, it continues. Atlanta lost guys all day long in that game against Dallas, uh, especially on the defensive side. Julio was actually bummed, too, by, uh, I think it's like an angle issue or something he had, and I know he was involved, like you said, on that onside, probably not smart to have your star wide receiver getting hurt trying to jump on an onside kick, especially a ball that you weren't sure if it was even going to make it to ten yards. I mean, it was just a great kick. I mean, I'm not going to discredit that at all, but I'm not. I'm not done with Dan Quinn yet. I think. I think Atlanta needs to see what they have for the rest of the season with him. But I really this this is the make or break season for him. Obviously, at this point, I mean, you you've gotten close. You've gotten there. The Saints look human. Tampa Bay looks human. There's no reason and no excuse as to why you can't win this division this year. We'll see when the division games come about. 
how his team, you know, performs and stuff. But I'm not done on Dan Quinn yet. I think got to give him the rest of the season. I'll go into one. I'm not going to go into Gase. I know you mentioned them. <laughs> it's really funny going in on. There's not much to go in on. It's embarrassing. But <laughs> it's just embarrassing to himself at this point. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a Jet fan. I'll fully support him. But it, it's hard to support you when things like this are happening on the field. But. I mean, again, that's a, I'm not going to talk about much into Geese, really. And, yeah, Geese is definitely one of those yeah. on the hot seat for obvious reasons. I don't even think I need to mention. I think anybody who watches football has the understanding as to why that's happening. Yeah. Even with all the articles, everything else, it's just been a mess. Yeah. On top of it, you know, Doug Peterson. This is the one that mystifies me more than anybody on the planet. I have no clue how Doug Peterson still has a job. All these years later, this is a long time he's been the head coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going to talk about guys that, you know, you know, Dan Quinn made the Super Bowl yeah. in the, in his run. You know, you, it looks like Carson Wentz is taking back seats when it comes to everyone. Oh, Doug Peterson won a championship with Nick Foles. No, Nick, Doug Peterson won a championship with the trenches yeah. that was dominating for the Philadelphia Eagles on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. That's what won him a Super Bowl. It's really not hard when you're dominating. They had really good talent up there. They still do. A lot of it got older. But I tell you, they had. it wasn't just having the talent. They had a lot of it. So you're switching legs out left and right on the defensive side. These teams on offense didn't have a break. These defensive ends and defensive tackles were coming after you at all times of a game. Fresh legs, nonstop. Very, very difficult to play against. Yeah. Philadelphia was very good for that. I am not crediting Doug Peterson for that, there's no reason to, because I saw it on the field myself. I didn't need to sit there, and yeah. and he knew he had it too. It, you know, so he did a great job at winning games, knowing what you had. You should have won, you know. But when it comes to him and his decision making, I'm absolutely mystified by why this guy is still a head coach in the NFL. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah. He he makes really bad decisions, and I'm talking about like on choices to go for field goals and. You know, knowing what you have on the field, your offense moving the ball like crazy, there's no harm in going for a field goal. Your fans aren't going to like you for it, but I promise you, just keep playing the game. Yeah. Put points on the board. Each offensive possession should be points. And you're depending on your defense to prevent a team from matching it. It's very simple. The football, the game of football, people go into these diverse, it's a very simple game. You know, outdo your opponent. And if three points is three points, it's, you know, and it's a good decision. He's going for it on fourth and eight on like the 35. I go, what are you doing? <laughs> go for the 50 yarder. Yeah. What, I mean, I don't know what you don't have faith in your kicker. Cause I promise you, I bet you your kicker doesn't have faith in your kicker. <laughs> after you continue to bypass this, Yeah. it's one, it's a whole big thing. And trust me in the playoffs, you need your kicker. I, I've seen the new England Patriots win so many championships with their kicker. Not with Tom Brady, not with Randy Moss, Bill Belichick running on the field himself. No. <laughs> the kicker made those field goals. It's an important position in football, and you need to have a good one with a lot of confidence. And he just, again, his decision-making, I'm going into another concept, but he's just a terrible head coach. He probably wasn't even on your list. No, he but wasn't. he should be. He wasn't. I did. He should be on the list. I, I don't understand how the Philadelphia Eagle head coach is still out there. Yeah. They're I mean, struggling they look, like crazy right now. They, they have they a look. must win coming on Sunday, and they better win it <laughs> for Doug's sake. I mean, Carson, and everyone's sitting I, there blaming Carson Wentz. Is he is he downgraded? Is he not playing as well? There's a lot more that goes into playing quarterback than just decision making and play calling. 
a big ordeal. If you're making play calling that is not working against the defensive side and what they're trying to do to you, you're in for a long day. And you're blaming this on your quarterback all game long? No. Yeah, I don't see it. Carson Wentz is a very good quarterback, very capable quarterback. But right now the decision-making on the coaching side of the Philadelphia Eagles is abysmal. Yeah, to have a 17. That's a big part of it. Matt Ryan moving the ball like crazy. Everyone's like, oh, Matt Ryan's an incredible player. Oh, yeah? There were times where people were doubting Matt Ryan completely. So what was the issue? That's what happened. The the first first week losing to to Washington after having a seventeen nothing lead in, in the first half, that right there is is an issue when it comes to the Eagles. Then you add some more injuries to their front line and the rest of the team. And, you know they're struggling. They they really are struggling. I agree with you with Peterson. Did I think about it? No. But now no, that I've you been say thinking it, about it, for, you know, I'm not even. You can ask anybody that watches football with me. I. I've been talking about Doug Peterson being fired for about the past three years. Yeah. I'm not, at this point, it's almost like numbing. And it's funny because I don't have that same concept for every coach. There are a lot of other coaches that are in similar boats. I mean, I'm looking at the Houston head coach. That's, he's struggling. Yeah, Bill O'Brien. The, the thing with Bill I O'Brien. Him. I think he's a great head coach. The thing with Bill O'Brien, it's tough for Houston now because they gave him like full autonomy over the whole team. They gave him basically the GM spot. So it's so. he knows he knows, he knows football. football. He knows football, and and that's you know that's the issue right now. Is yeah, the the Houston Texans aren't playing well, and obviously when the team's not playing well, you want to blame it on the the head coach. Obviously, that's that's what you do. That's normal. But the problem with Bill O'Brien is he's not just a head coach; he's the GM too, and that's that's hard for a team. To fire your head coach and then fire your GM as well, all in one move. And that's what Houston would have to do. Do I think Houston's going to fire Bill O'Brien? I don't think so. Now, moving on to what we saw Monday night with the Las Vegas Raiders. First of all, we talked about stadiums last, last week. Their stadium is beautiful. Yeah, it's very nice. Absolutely beautiful. And obviously, it's in Las Vegas, so... You know, it's it goes right along with everything you see in in Las Vegas. But I thought Derek Carr played really well. This Raiders team is is clicking everywhere. And talking about head coaches, John Gruden. I, I mean, everybody ripped John Gruden for what he did with the Khalil Mack deal. But John Gruden knows what he's doing. This is another 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 head coach that was given GM type of role as well. Mm. And I feel like he's that that type of head coach that's going to carry a team. You know, you have players that carry teams and then you have head coaches that can carry a team. And I think they feed off of John Gruden's, you know, John Gruden brings a lot to football. You know, he does. He he, brings the belief of winning. Yeah. And I think for the Raiders, they've done a great job. They're running the football very well. Derek Carr has done a great job of managing this team and getting the ball down the field and honestly getting the ball to Darren Waller, who looks like an unstoppable force. Yeah. But their offensive line is one of the best in football again. This I think, is yeah, another I think situation is, where I, I think tell you, the be- the best. you have to win the trenches, and they are clearly winning it on the offensive side. And the Saints are no pushover. You know, Cameron Jordan is a is 
Their one defense. Of the best. I mean, we were talking about their defense being one of the best in the league after they beat up on Tom Brady and the the Buccaneers. It's a very it's a very similar situation with the Raiders. As I see with Green Bay. You know, I want to see more from the defense. I want to see more consistency. I think they did a great job at stopping Drew Brees. Yeah. So if they continue to play like that. You know, sky's the limit for the uh, the new Las Vegas Raiders. Start talking about the Raiders' potential to win this wild card because they are playing well enough, one hundred percent, to get a wild card and definitely make some noise in the playoffs, no doubt. They definitely passed Denver. You know, I don't think I think with the injuries that Denver has now, uh, you know, starting with Von Miller, but then you lose Drew Luck as well for a couple of weeks. I think right there kind of ends their their run. Because I mm-hmm. had them second. I had them second in this division. I had the Chargers. Actually, you know what? I even had the Raiders last as well. And I had the Chargers three. And to me, if they put Tyrod Taylor back in, I'm, I'm putting the Chargers in third above Denver. And I'm putting I think, Oakland I think second. Regardless, but uh, it's still week two. It, it, it's yeah, still, or it's still week three. promises, so we'll see what happens yeah, as exactly. uh, the season progresses. It's going to be tough to beat the Chargers, but again, they're going to have to pick it up offensively. Talking about Drew Luck and the injury, you know, he had a sprained AC joint. Uh, that right there is what played a big role again in week two, was injuries. That's the biggest headline for this week. Everything you talked about this week was due to injuries. Now, we lost a lot of players for the season this week. Saquon Barkley, torn ACL. Nick Bosa, torn ACL. Solomon Thomas, torn ACL. Bruce Irvin, torn ACL. Paris Campbell, torn ACL. Anthony Barr's out for the season with a a torn pectoral. Cortland Sutton's out for the season with a torn ACL. Malik Hooker, torn Achilles. Then you lose Christian McCaffrey out four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain. Jimmy Garoppolo, high ankle sprain. It was a crazy week. You know, week one we had we had some injuries. You know, nobody, no fan of the game wants to hear me say it, but it's the truth. There was no preseason. I, I was just about to say that. I, you know, and no fan wants to hear it. I mean, I don't want to hear it. Nobody Trust wants to. Me, I enjoyed the no preseason. I thought it was beneficial. Yeah, I thought it was. I like, felt like you the know, season good, came faster too. Unnecessary <laughs> to have it, uh, but unfortunately, it's definitely necessary. Yeah, and right there. You know, there's game. there's no there's no there's no fighting it anymore. I don't think the players can fight it. I think this is this is 110 percent the owners. They, like as much as the owners don't want to see injuries, they're sitting back saying, "Well, now we got what we wanted." You know, the well, owners, owners are paying money to guys that are sitting and not playing. So, well, I, I'm just saying, everybody everybody hurts when someone gets hurt. You know, especially obviously the player. Yeah. But what uh, I'm it, saying it goes all the way up to the front office how much this hurts. So there'll definitely be a mutual understanding as to making sure at least there's some sort of a preseason. Well, what I'm saying Even is if it's one or two games, you got to do it. What I'm saying is the owners obviously get paid for extra games, obviously with the preseason. So, <laughs> so you know they're ma- they're still making money through the preseason. So not having a preseason, they don't, don't want to lose their players. This this just plays into it. You you know you're going to see. A preseason from now on, it's it's gonna happen. That's you know Absolutely. that's that's out out the window. The NFL was actually looking into the turf at MetLife Stadium because of what happened in that game. I mean, there there was a lot of players that were lost in that game, and you know, big time players. You know, you don't want to see a guy like Nick Bosa or Saquon Barkley out for the season with the injuries that they've had. But it it, it played a role this week, and you know, are we gonna see that again? Like, when is it going to be a time 
you know, this season where it's like, all right, you know, there may be an injury here and there, but it's not going to be overtaking the news of the week because through the first two weeks, injuries have been the biggest headline throughout, you know, both of these weeks. You know, maybe it's week three, week four, because you just had, you know, usually you have a four game preseason or, you know, at least for the starters, you have two games, two or three, two and a half games, I guess. So maybe this week we start to see these players kind of back in, you know, game ready form and, and, you know, hopefully we don't see it. But I mean, even the training camp, even the off season, it was, it wasn't the same. You know, it didn't, you didn't have that much time, you know, training camp wasn't as long as it usually is. And there's a lot of things that, you know, happen that you couldn't do that you would usually do in a training camp. It's going to be interesting. Hopefully this week we don't see injuries like we have been. I mean, you look at all these teams here that have lost big time players and for just for the, the game's sake on the field and, and on TV, you're hoping that. You know, some of these big injuries don't happen again. I mean, you're looking at the 49ers, done. The the Denver Broncos, Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton, done. That team's mm. gone. <laughs> you know, put them in last. 49ers, you might as well put them in last. You know, so it's... The Giants were going to be, you know, at least in third, but you might, might as well just put them in last too with Saquon Barkley going down. So it's... It was a tough week overall for for injuries and you know injuries play a huge role not only on the game on the field but they play a huge role in fantasy and you know you have to we we have to get into some fantasy stuff here running up the score fantasy football advice and we'll talk about the waiver uh, waiver wire pickups we got one each waiver wire pickups uh, my my waiver wire pickup is going to be Justin Herbert just because I feel like I think he'll be the starter. And I think, you know, after this week, hopefully that kind of ends the conversation of Tyrod Taylor coming in. And I think that's a that's a good, you know, if you had, I mean, if you had Drew Locke, if you had Jimmy Garoppolo, this is a good person to, to pop in there. You know, for me, you know, obviously the waiver wire uh, I saw this week and I was seeing a bunch of names like Leonard Fournette and, you know, a bunch of these running back fill-ins, you know, Justin Wilson Jr. or Sr., I don't know, whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, there was also McKinnon that was available in some leagues. Uh, for me, I went down a little farther, grabbed Gaskin from the line, from the Dolphins. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know, when it comes to him, you're looking at a player that should be getting a lot of burn. I had, You know, the other – the first two weeks, he's gotten his burn. He got his, uh, you know, he's getting his carries. Obviously, it's that Miami offense, so it, it goes, you know. But he's a starting running back, and uh, a lot, I know a lot of running backs got hurt. And if you're looking for a starter to cover, I feel like Gaskin is a good option instead of forcing yourself to take uh, someone like McKinnon, who has been hurt yeah. the last two years. So I, I give him one week before he gets hurt again. <laughs> I, I actually, yeah. going more into that game, you know, we, we're obviously talking about the one waiver wire pickup. I mean, uh, I think Justin Wilson is actually a good play on the basis of the possibility of McKinnon not being able to finish this game because that seems like a very highly a high possibility. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> just from the track record of McKinnon, it's nothing against him. It's just it's a tough sport. We'll move on to uh, Stardom Sit'em. Stardom Sit'em. 
go with the quarterback position. My start QB is going to be Russell Wilson against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan didn't didn't throw for the 500 that he did against Seattle, but I feel like Russell Wilson the way that the Cowboys rush the quarterback, it looks like they're struggling a little bit with with that pass rush that we thought was going to be great. They're struggling getting to the quarterback, and I feel like they're more of a up and down, you know, straight rushing the quarterback. They're they're not gonna they're gonna struggle with a, a mobile quarterback. Is is what I'm really trying to get at, and with the injuries that they have in the secondary, I think. You know, this is Russell Wilson's day to feast against the Dallas Cowboys hurt defense. And I think Russell Wilson's the guy to go with, uh, you know, starting this week. That's funny. I'm going right across on the other side of the ball for the same reasons. I think this will be a high-scoring game. Dak Prescott, uh, no doubt, stardom. Uh, Seattle's a lot different without the 12th man in attendance. And I feel like this could be uh, like a shootout. I I would say unload all your Dallas Cowboys, all your Seattle Seahawks. You have anybody relatively in that game, you put them in all the way to C.D. Lamb or the tight end from the Dallas Cowboys, the new Schultz. Uh, Schultz he's been yeah. trending on the waiver wire. I, I would fire it away if you're really that desperate for either a tight end or a wide receiver at this point. Obviously, C.D. Lamb should have been drafted, and he should definitely be slam dunk <laughs> in there. Mark Cooper, everybody. Obviously, Elliott is a game that's going to be uh, very high scoring and should uh, produce a lot of fancy numbers. Yeah, so now my sit quarterback, which is kind of crazy because I don't know, you know, anybody that would actually sit this guy. But I'm going to sit him just because of the matchup. And don't get me wrong, I think he's going to still put up some numbers, but it's still a tough matchup. And that's Pat Mahomes against the Ravens. I think this game is going to be... Listen, Baltimore's defense is very tough. Very tough. Do I think Pat Mahomes is going to be able to put up some numbers? Yes, I do, but I don't think it's going to be putting up Pat Mahomes-type numbers. And the Ravens, as I said, are a tough defense, and I'm going to sit Patrick Mahomes. I I might be crazy to do that, but I'm going to do it. I understand. I think a lot of my sit guys are going to be on Kansas City on that basis, you know, just knowing that they are taking on the Baltimore Raven defense, a good defense. I understand. I don't know. Patrick Mahomes is, uh, you know, it's – it's it's stretched to do something like that. It really. Oh no, yeah, is. that's. I figured. You know, nobody that has Pat Mahomes is going to sit Pat Mahomes. Doesn't matter what the 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 matchup is. I'm just looking at the matchup, and I mm-hmm. you know, going up against the Ravens defense. You know, Ravens defense, Steelers defense. You know, those those are defenses that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to put your quarterback up against. And I know Pat Mahomes is not. You know that you know, quarterback that you just sit on a whim, but see, I understand you know, st- like sitting like his wide receivers, uh, running backs, like his wide know. receivers, <laughs> yeah. running backs. I mean, but I, even those guys, they're just, they're not in a boat to, they're really just not in a boat to sit. Yeah. Yeah. No. I, and for me, for me this week, just on the basis, cause he's been going ride high and he's been very, very good and they are at home, but I'm, I'm going to say, uh, you know, Matt Ryan, I did this last week. They are in a dome. They've been playing well. They've been proving me wrong. That Chicago defense is probably better than any defense they've taken on so far. But I also thought that Dallas defense was very good, too. So 
You know, I'm gonna. This is the last time I'm probably gonna tell you to go and bench Matt Ryan. But uh, if he performs this week, man, fire him away the rest of the year because there's really no stop in Atlanta at that point. But uh, this isn't a good matchup. I know he's at home, but a different feel without the crowd. I think, in my opinion, and you know, the Chicago Bear defense is very, very good over there. So starting running back for me is going to be uh, Derrick Henry going up against the Vikings. The Vikings defense has not been good this year. Basically, the whole Vikings team, offense or defense, it, it really hasn't been good. And I feel like the way that Derrick Henry runs the ball, I think he's just going to run all over Minnesota's defense. So I'm going Derrick Henry. My start's going to be Miles Sanders. Uh, Philadelphia taking on Cincinnati. I'm going to be chasing Cincinnati all year. Uh, anybody they're playing against, I'm going to start everybody against them. They haven't been able to stop them. They just look small. Yeah. Which sounds crazy and probably almost offensive to these guys, but they just look like a small defense. They're not making tackles. They're one of the worst tackling teams in football. And Miles Sanders is going to get plenty of burn in this game. There's no doubt you fire away with him. He's going to probably be one of the best daily fantasy sports, too. Yeah, so my sick running back is going to be Todd Gurley uh, against the Bears. And basically everything that you were saying with Matt Ryan, I feel is the same going with Todd Gurley, you know, against that Bears defense. You know, Todd Gurley had an okay game against the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Okay at most, at best. You know, and I felt like he could have did better. You know, the way what the, the Cowboys gave up to, to Malcolm Brown the week before. And then, you know, Todd Gurley basically gets like 60-something yards or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to do – he's going to do well at all against the Bears. So, uh, But the running back uh, to sit for me is going to be no doubt Dalvin Cook. Um, and it's just on a simple basis. I think Tennessee's front line over there is pretty, pretty good. Um, you know, I, it's going to be tough to uh, – it's going to be tough over there, you know, against the Tennessee defense. I'm, I'm – uh, I'm not a believer in Dalvin Cook right now. He's been kind of starting out a little slow, and I might be proven completely wrong and going away. It's probably hard to sit somebody like that uh, based on how your draft went, but uh, he's definitely someone that I actually wouldn't mind to be matched up with against this week. Yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of what we're doing kind of helps more so with daily fantasy. You know, you don't you're not mm-hmm. going to start these guys or you know or you know whatever. Yeah, it's just like so, who you're playing. Yeah, yeah exactly. So um, wide receiver now. And I'm, I, you know, you stuck with that Seahawks Cowboys game. I stuck with the Seahawks Cowboys game. I'm going to stay with it, and I'm going to go DK Metcalf against the Cowboys banged up secondary. You know, they just put Cheeto Awuzie on on, probably going to be going on IR. So, you know, you're looking at Trayvon Diggs being the number one cornerback, a, a rookie. So it's. It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be a very. I'm actually a big fan of Metcalf going forward. I feel like he's one of the people. I'm going to throw it in there real quick. I think he's one of the targets you should look for to trade for. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to be a very good talent for the uh, whole season, barring any injury. But he's so big that I don't even know if it's possible for him to get hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, For me, when it comes to absolute throw him in there, no doubt starter uh, this week. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, Detroit's god-awful. Um, he's going to be worth a lot. He's going to be worth every penny. I think you put him in there. Uh, Ten catch minimum. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, crazy. My sit wide receiver is going to be A.J. Green against the Eagles. He's going to be matched up against Darius Slay. And uh, I think it's going to be tough for Joe Burrow to get him the ball at least. Uh, everybody yeah, else absolutely. Might. So. 
I understand that. I'm going to go right with Will Fuller. Uh, I think he's just someone that can't be trusted at this point. Uh, he just can't stay on the field. I heard he was on the medical table half the game last week. Now he's taking on Pittsburgh this week. It's just, it's not a smart play yeah. in a lot of regards. I, you know, a good defense he's taking on to begin with, and on top of it, the guy honestly just can't stay healthy. Yeah. And uh, going on to the tight ends, uh, my start tight end is going to be Jonu Smith against the Vikings. Like I said, I, the Vikings defense it really hasn't been good, and uh, I just feel like uh, Jonu Smith's been playing well the first two weeks, and uh, I think that's a guy that you, you look to start. I think you go with Darren Waller with the uh, Vegas Raiders. I think they're taking on New England in New England. And, uh, you know, They might have to put Gilmore on them at this point, but <laughs> – yeah. uh, Wall is a very big player, very fast and big. Uh, it's just impossible to stop. And, you know, obviously Oakland lives and dies by uh, getting the ball to their tight end. He's the majority of their passing game. So uh, there's no doubt you put him in there right away. Absolutely. Now my sit uh, tight end is going to be an ex-New England Patriot, and it's going to be Ron Gronkowski uh, against the Broncos defense. Rob Gronkowski was Tom Brady's number one, you know, guy in New England. And... Through the first two weeks, he's he struggled to get him the ball, so uh, I liked uh, to sit Rob Gronkowski in this one. Yeah, my thoughts are going with uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, yeah, last week was an absolute nightmare, you know, uh, for that player. And I don't really have like a re- like he sh- he should do good, uh, but unfortunately, yeah. right now is you know even with injuries to uh, you know Shepard. Uh, there's more opportunity out there, but Evan Ingram just has not played well at yeah. all for the New York Giants. He's making a lot of drops. Uh, it's like quite frustrating, and it's probably tough for Danny Dimes to uh, go with him. Yeah, absolutely. At this point. So uh, defense now, last but not least. Uh, <laughs> my start defense is going to be the Chargers defense against the Panthers. Uh, Chargers showed me a lot against Kansas City, and obviously Carolina is nothing compared to Kansas City. And I think the Chargers feast on uh, Bridgewater. Yeah, I think uh, no doubt you start the Buccaneer defense, taking on Denver. I don't even know who's quarterbacking for Denver <laughs> this week. I don't care that they're on the road. Tampa Bay's defense has been pretty good, and uh, they'll continue success and well, probably Denver, not give up too many points on Sunday. Denver picked up Blake Bortles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no relevance. Obviously, yeah, it's just a good uh, defense and a good matchup to play. <laughs> yeah, so um, – now the sit defense, I'm going to go with uh, the Saints defense against the Packers. Saints defense scared me last week. I thought they were good. They uh, they sucked me in in week one against Tampa Bay, and then they and then I I, I spit them right back out <laughs> in week two. And uh, I'm I'm I don't think they're going to be able to stop Aaron Rodgers the, the way that he's been playing. So you no, know, if they all. show, I, I'm going to go with Dallas. Okay. Uh, I just think their defense showed me nothing uh, last week, and they're not comfortable to start. I mean, again, a tough matchup against Seattle obviously plays a part, but Dallas was a defense that was definitely uh, draftable as one of yeah. the top 12 defenses in football, uh, and they're not showing it so far. Yeah, so I uh, – oh, I, Do you I like mean, that at the I, very end? Yeah, I uh, – listen, <laughs> I, watched the, <laughs> I watched the full game. I watched week one, too, obviously. Their pass rush Listen, should be uh, I mean, it is there, well, but it's just unfortunate. Teams are finding ways to go around it. Uh, you just got to make adjustments so you don't look stupid. They're giving up points, the, the and biggest it's unfortunate because they shouldn't be. The biggest thing with Mike Nolan is uh, he was trying to have the ends 
Stand up. Here we go. Why you want to do this? No. He has them. All right. But he has them standing up. So now DeMarcus Lawrence has never done that. Neither has Alden Smith. These guys like to have their hands in in the dirt. And... Alden Smith actually came out saying that he, or Everson Griffin said he's he's changing back to the three point stance, and we'll see a, a difference hopefully in that. Um, and I think the same thing that Demarcus Lawrence has to do as well. It's going to be interesting. I mean, the Cowboys have a lot of injuries going on right now, whether it be offense, whether it be defense. It you know it's it's up and down, but. The one yeah, thing no, they're, just... they're obviously their their season so far is in the shambles. It's gonna be a good game yeah. against Seattle. Yeah, you yeah. know, I just gotta hope this. You know, the defense gonna show me a little something. It's not much. You're not gonna stop Russell Wilson. No, that's, that's show the me, thing. Show me something yeah. is to be a reason why I can start you in fantasy because uh, so far I've done it and it didn't work out. Right now, the biggest thing is the the pass rush. They got to get the pass rush to where well, it was supposed fix it, to be because I drafted them. That's <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> yeah, so fix it. Find a way. That will do it for our week two recap. We'll be back um, hopefully Tuesday. Uh, that will be our birthday, actually. Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, Happy we, birthday. We, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we've, we've done a couple of shows, actually, on our birthday, which is pretty funny. So oh, hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be on uh, that day doing a show, uh, you know, because it's just easier to do it on Tuesday. Uh, but, yeah, we'll be back for a week three recap next week. That will do it. I'm Jerry. I'm Kevin. Beat Breezy. Beat Breezy. And it is all over. You've been listening to Running Up the Score. We run up the score on Sports Radio.